Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is another edition of Flyers Daily, and it's Monday, and we're back on schedule. And it is a Monday, so that means it's Mondays with Meltzer. Bill Meltzer from NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com joins us on this edition of Flyers Daily. Bill, how we doing? We are doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Just trying to see if this cup's ever going to get handed out or not as we're taping yeah. this. Tampa's oh. leading again. I mean, this team is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, you know, hey, that's, that's what a champion does. They're hard to kill, right? Yeah, Bill, I thought they were dead going into game five in Colorado. I was like, no way. And they win that game. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, particularly that's the difference between tied at two and down three, one, you lose Mm -hmm. that in overtime and a game that they really were the better team for the majority of, you don't often see a team come back from that. That, That's, you know, you just, you just got to take your hat off to them. You, you You don't see this very often, you know, even, even from championship teams. So I love it. John Cooper to me is one of those really cerebral coaches that I, yeah. I love listening to. And after the one game and the too many men, and, you know, he comes back the next day and goes, you know, he kind of apologizes and a lot of it's theatrics and stuff with yeah. him and yeah. ways to get his message across. But all in all, it comes off to me is just simply brilliant. <laughs> oh, he, he does. I mean, he knows how to, you know, obviously he, he takes pressure off of his players Yep. So, you know, so, sometimes, sometimes I mean, Ken Hitchcock was probably the best at that, actually, at, uh, you know, making himself the focus just in terms of being like, OK, it takes pressure off off the team. He knew when to do it. Yeah. You know? And uh, John Cooper obviously does does as well. He's uh, he's a very cerebral coach. Just he knows what buttons to push. I mean, you know, uh, the proof, the proof is the proof is that, uh, you know, they, they could be playing for another cup. So, yeah. It's it's simply amazing that when people are hearing this, who knows, maybe the cup has been handed out. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out and we'll either look brilliant or we won't. Um, but, but we're going to start with this episode as I was going through on my, I, I logged on to Facebook yesterday and popped up on my memories from 2009 was the fact that on that date yesterday, February or February, June 26, 2009, The Flyers acquired in a draft day deal one Chris Pronger. Here's the trade. Flyers traded for Chris Pronger and Ryan Dingle from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Lucas Pisa, defenseman, Joffrey Lupel, two first-round picks, and a conditional third-round pick. It's a pretty decent haul, obviously, for a guy – for, for, you know, basically one player. I mean, you're trading for Chris Pronger, who at the time – was 34 years or 35 years of age heading into that 2009-10 season. Um, we didn't get to see his full Friars career come to fruition because of the unfortunate injury and, you know, byproduct thereof. Um, but sometimes in hockey, the reason why I want to start here is because sometimes in hockey, you got to take a swing. You got to go for it. You got to incur some risk. They incurred some risk. It paid off for the one year, probably would have paid off for a few more if not for the injury, but that's part of the game. Oh, absolutely. The the Flyers were, you know, there, there's a great backstory to all this. Um, you don't often get a chance to acquire a future Hall of Fame player. And the Flyers had reached the conference finals in 2008, right? They had probably, they probably were the better, se- the better team the next year against the Penguins. The Penguins won that series, but it was a great series. Yeah. And, and they kind of realized, you know what? We could make a move now. We might be one player away. 
you know, a big, a big, a big acquisition. In the meantime, uh, you know, the Flyers had traded a number of first round picks away and traded a lot of prospects away already. And there was internal discussion of we can't keep doing this. You know, it's, it's going to gut the farm system. You know, we have to start stockpiling, not trading picks. And Ed Snyder was on board with that until the possibility of getting Chris Pronger arose. And that, that was, that obviously was a game changer. Um, you know, you, you go back to the, what the Flyers are trading as it looked at the time. And remember Spiza had been a first round pick just the year before by the Flyers at the time was pretty highly regarded. Um, probably rushed to the NHL, unfortunately, and, uh, and never became what he, what he could have been, but very highly regarded at the time. So it was really, it was really three first round picks because it was the first round pick from the previous year, plus an additional two first rounders. Um, Lupo, you're, you're talking about the hall for, for Anaheim. Lupo, um, was injured quite a, quite a bit, but he was a very good goal scorer for, for the Flyers too, when he was healthy, you know, um, very talented hockey player. And, you know, the Flyers were going for right then and there. And, you know, you, you fast forward to where how close the Flyers came to missing the playoffs the next year and then caught fire just at the you – know, they, they got hot at the right time. They backed into the playoffs or backed in, but they had to – they squeaked into the playoffs on, on a shootout. And um, it, was almost, it was almost like they relaxed once they were in. Um, yeah. You know, the 3 the, nothing the comeback against Boston, coming as close as they did. You know, the, the the next year, the Flyers almost almost won the Eastern Conference. The Flyers got cold late in the season, you know, a part of which because Pronger wasn't healthy. Pronger had various injuries that year, none, none of which were, none of which had to do with age. Um, there was a he knee issue. He only played 50 games that year. Yeah, only played 50 games. He had a broken wrist. He had a mm-hmm. knee issue. So the Flyers, Flyers really that regular season played a lot more to their capabilities. I mean, before 2009-10, the Flyers were the hockey news was picked to win the cup, and then they squeak in the playoffs. You know, got as far as they did. Then the year after that, I mean, honestly, we'll, and we'll never know. We'll never know. But if but if Chris Pronger had not had the career-ending injury that year, the Flyers might have won the cup, especially yeah. after they beat the Penguins in the first round. That that might have been, you know, that was that was a very very good team. So you know, the Flyers had that window. Through 2012, but then you lose you lose Pronger, you know, to the concussion trade, and yeah. and then then the window slams shut. But yeah. for but they but it, it opened up a window and they you know it, it almost worked, but it was a, a very bold move at at a key time because it's not just making the big move; it's making it at the right time too, and that certainly was the case. It brings me. You used a great word there. I'm going to write it down right now, and I'm going to actually circle it and I'm going to bold it because it was bold. And um, Chuck Fletcher is a guy that's caught a lot of criticism for the state of the team. I think a lot of it, um, the bed was made before he got here. And you can tie, I think, so much of where the Flyers have been the last two years back to one one in particular person. And I think that's number two overall pick in 2017, and that's Nolan Patrick. But I digress. You know, Chuck Fletcher's a very intelligent man, Harvard-educated, grew up in the game. His father is a Hall of Fame general manager. Uh, that's been around. He's, so he, he said hockey in his blood. But sometimes when you, you, sometimes you're so smart, you, you lack gut or you lack, for lack of a better term, balls to go bold. And what Paul, Paul Holmgren never lacked that. He had a history with Chris Pronger. 
from his days in Hartford. They knew each other. We knew the player that Pronger was. You were getting a known commodity, one mean SOB that could still play, identify a team, add a leadership on all of it. He checked every box, right? And you gave up a big package to get him. But bold is the word you used. Is this an offseason for bold for the Flyers? And I don't know. They may go bold. I don't think this is the offseason to do it. I really don't. I yeah, really they, don't. they may go there, but I don't they know that it's it. the right thing yeah. to do. They very totally well may right. go there. They, yeah. they, they may. But I, I personally don't think this is the offseason to do it. I, I see it as a – and we talked about it. I think it's possible to do it as a two-year process. If you get both years – if you get both years right, not, a, not a, you know, not – that easy in its own right yeah. but as you you know as you create some cap space hopefully another year out though the, the flat cap will end um there were just a report on you know nhl revenues being much higher than expected so that, that might show in another year from now breaking yeah correct so you know you might get a significant bump in the cap ceiling at, in addition to creating some space beforehand mm-hmm. Then you're maybe looking at some big moves, and then you also have a better sense as to who your who your group is, right? Um, you have Tortorella will have a year in. You've hopefully transformed the way the team plays. No matter how the team does this year, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, you have to change the way the team plays. You have to change a mindset. Yep. And that you know, um, I, I think that that's that's a front end of this, and then and then you then you'll have a better sense, by the way. Is could this be two years? Um, you know, I just, I just don't see it. As, I just don't see it as one year. And I look at what are the big moves that are out there, and I don't think these are the big moves that ultimately get you to where you want to get to. Um, yeah. And it's, not, it's nothing against the players who are out there. It's all, it's all about the mix, right? It's all about what you already have, what you're adding into it, and what you need. And, and what they cost. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah. And that's uh, they, you know, then there's the then there's the acquisition cost. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think this is this is the offseason to be bold. But then again, you know, I mean, I, I don't have to sell tickets either. So, yeah, you know, it, it's um, you know, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of conflicting things. But, uh, yeah, there, there there comes a time when you take the risk. And then there's a time sometimes when you look at. You know what is what is the potential downside? You know you don't just ask why do we do this. Sometimes you ask why we don't do it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and sometimes it's just not not the right time. And uh, you know, I, and I think that's where that's if it was my read, that's where I would say the Flyers are right now, not the time. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things for a, a very analytical and intelligent mind like Chuck Fletcher. Sometimes, you know, you can be too smart because you know the risk you're taking and the risk you're taking can talk you out of some gut or some boldness. And there's a time for boldness, but I agree with you. I don't know that it's this offseason. And there's this notion, Bill, well, they hired John Tortorella. They're going to look to rebound as quickly as possible, and they're going to be stuck in mediocrity forever. Some of the fan base believes that if you see it on social media. So I look at that and I go, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I buy that because I go, yeah, I got John Tortorella. Year one's not about, you know, pushing as far as you can in the playoffs. Year one to me is about creating a standard, yep. a standard of the organization, a DNA, and, you know, put, putting accountability back on, you know, true terms, not just words, and a standard for the organization. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're so caught up in this stupid friggin' phrase of aggressive retool, you know? Yeah. 
I, I had to beat a guy down on DM the other day. I said, dude, stop paying attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. Yeah. And aggressive retool was a catchphrase in January. Stop living by it because I'm not going to live by it. No. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's a nebulous term to begin with. Yeah. You what know? does it mean? I I have no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, are they retooled in, in 2019-20? And was that, you know, I mean, people people in the offseason weren't happy with it. You know, I mean, they, they brought in Niskanen, and, you know, Pitlick, um, Braun. Those weren't big names. There wasn't a big name in the bunch. But they, you know, they, it, they made a significant impact. Now you have, you know, you don't have that same nucleus in place anymore. You have some young players who are now getting to make or break territory, right? This this is put up or shut up time for some of these guys. Um, and you want to know, okay, can we count on these guys to contribute? And that 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 to me is a big part of the, a big part of the picture here too, where you know the cap dollars only go as far as they go, and you need. You need some guys who are on on cap friendly contracts, especially because, you know, listen, um, you know, we've talked before about Ryan Ellis, and that's before any of this stuff with with Joel Farabee broke. And, and while the prognosis for Farabee should be fine, just just like with Jack Eichel, you know, he, I mean, you might not you might not see Farabee play until November or even mid November. That's it's tough that's with a very, very real possibility. And it's going to take them a little time to get up to speed. I think you have to. I think you have to just just view the bigger picture in mind that it, this isn't this this isn't a one season deal, right? So you're not just you're not just bringing in Tortorella. Okay, you're the guy who. I mean, the Flyers are a long way from over the top. They're they're really they're really resetting a process. Here, as you said, it's just at a standard, right? You want to you want to go in knowing that you're going to be a resilient team. That you have some depth, you know, and and then then the other piece of it is that eventually you have the bigger pieces. So, I just uh, I I think that's that's kind of in a nutshell what we're looking at right now. Yeah, and we get that news this week about Joel Farabee and that surgery, and like a lot of people, I I got the the email says Joel Farabee underwent Joel Farabee underwent surgery what for a disc replacement in his neck. I'm going why now? But we yeah. come to find out that this was something that maybe happened in training or didn't show its, you know, uh, causation, if you will, or the symptoms of it until now, unfortunately, you know, and you know, now you're looking at four players, Bill, yeah. Farabee coming off a neck surgery, Couturier coming off a of back surgery. Uh, we look at Ryan Ellis. We've talked about that ad nauseum yes. and how much is tied up into him. And I asked Chuck Fletcher about it last Monday when I had him on. Is there any update? And he said he's not at a schedule. He's not behind schedule. He just is right now. Maybe LTIR if he's not ready to go. Could be a blessing. We'll see. Uh, but then you got Kevin Hayes, too. I thought it came back in his last stint last year and played well. But four big injury question marks in the summer. And it, it is cause for a little bit of unsettlement in the stomach. No, it, it is. And, you know, not to, not to be too alarmist, but every season so far, Carter Hartsker, he's missed some time with injuries. Yep. And, you know, you're bringing in a, a backup who's never played a minute of pro hockey in North America. Right now they're counting on him as the number two. And maybe he, you know, maybe he, he settles the backup job. Maybe he can run with some starts. We don't know any of that. We don't know any of that right now. That's a and, bigger question mark than Ryan Ellis to me. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, and these are all, you know, 
these are all these are all question marks. They're all unknowns right now, and you know it, it's really, you know, it's really uh, you just can't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's gonna it'll be it'll remain to be seen. Uh, you know, with with Faraby, uh, I went back and I looked at the and they were shoulder problems this past year. Yep. But shoulder, but Boston shoulder edge, yeah. caught his yeah. shoulder. Yeah, I remember. Right, and, and then there, then there was a hit from Dobson, and then you, you know, then you can start over. And well, his neck kind of got, his neck kind of got twisted on that. I mean, it's, it was accumulative. Was you know some sometimes upper body stuff. We you know did it, is the neck related to it? Was it was it a brand new injury? I, I don't know. I don't know. And and it's hard to say, but I mean, it, it seems clear that it wasn't there at the end of the season. Just by uh, just by Faraby going, yeah. Well, the shoulder's feeling better. I'm going to take a little time off. I'm not going to play in the I'm not going to play in the worlds, and then I'll start my summer training. So, what happened obviously was he took the time off and rested, um, started his summer workouts, and either it was something new or something got worse, and then you know then you're already in June at that point. So that's kind of why it happened when it happened. And damn it. It, it, the one thing he said to me that he was going to work on in the summer too was his shot, right? Yeah. I remember you and I talked about it. You know, it, to be more of a finisher and w- really work on that shot, changing the angle, you know, precision and power and all of those things. And it's an important off season for him. And now he's stuck in a rehab mode. And I just hate that element of it. It's, 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 br- it's brutal. No, it, it, it's brutal. Yep. And, and uh, you know, he, he starts a new contract this year too because he had mm-hmm. just got the extension last season. I mean, it just. It, it couldn't happen at a worse time for him or for the team. It just it just sucks. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a pro hockey player, and I'm old. I'm 50 now. But when I was 49 about a year ago, I was reminded of this on Facebook uh, Memories the other day, too. About a year ago, I found myself in an MRI machine. Now I hurt my back and my cervical spine folding a king-size bed sheet. I, I am not kidding. You know, you whip a sheet to fold it, and a big yeah. king-size is a big sucker. I went to whip it. I pulled it right behind my head and pulled my face to the floor. <laughs> I haven't folded a sheet since. My wife came in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm laying on the floor. I, I can't move. And I was in hell for three months. But um, I'm not a professional hockey player, as we all know. But anyway, um, let's get to the next point here. One of the things that came up on my Stick to Hockey Live show was the uh, the question of maybe buying out Oscar Limblom, mainly because the buyout is actually more than he's owed monetarily, which is a rarity. It's almost like being upside down on a car payment in the, in the, in your favor in a way. And I, the, I said, I would only be in favor of it. If you shed the $7 million freely of James Van Riemsdyk, meaning you're not sending a sweetener, a draft pick or a prospect. And you know, you're going big game hunting. You need that extra cap space. Then I'd be interested, but he had a good, really good run under Mike Yo, but is he a candidate that pending if they want to get go back to the word bold could be a casualty of that I, I think he could be a salary cap casualty over the summer yeah I, I, I disagree and it's, it's Anthony DeMarco who I have a ton of respect for I disagree with him that he's not tradable I, I, I think, I, he's think tradable. It, I, do I, I think there are teams in the league that could use a penalty killing type who you know that that's why you have pro scouts. And if you if you watched, I mean, what ruined, what really ruined Lindblom's season was the day AV was fired, and he Lindblom hadn't been scratched. He played every game. He had one yeah. point in the season. Yeah. And so he was starting from zero. They were basically the zero goals, one assist. So you know he finished, I think, with 
12 goals and about 25, 26 points. Yeah. yeah, 25, 26 points, something like that. And that's with, that's with him being banged up in the month of March and not doing much in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing a lot of fourth line, too. So when he, had a, he had a stretch in there for about two months where he kind of looked like himself again. The team wasn't winning. Yeah. But one of the few bright spots was Oscar was starting to come around. He was making uh, plays again, you know, down low, right. distributing and everything. Yeah. And, and, and Mike Yo had said, and, and I agree. I mean, I, I thought Mike hit it right on the head with this. He said, you know, with, with Oscar or any, any player, but especially the ordeal that he went through and all the muscle that he lost. And he said, you know, you, you, you work out and you rebuild strength and you get your game conditioning up. But the one thing that, uh, the one thing that that doesn't get back automatically is your trust in, in your own body and your own game. Yep. And it took a long time, I think, for Oscar to, to really feel like he had his game back. He could go into a board battle and, and win on muscle. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, he, that he could do. That he could physically do it. And, and I think that, uh, you know, he it took him a long time to trust himself again. Now, the, whether there's a spot in the lineup for him, although with Farabee being out, I mean, now there's suddenly a spot again. If, yeah. if you want that, but you know, but I, I just, I don't think he's a player you buy out. I think he's a player you could trade. Maybe, maybe because you're trading from a position of weakness, you eat a million on it or whatever, 500 or whatever. If you, if you have to do that to get, to get a pick back, but I don't think you have, I don't think you have to buy him out. I don't think you have to take two years of, you know, two years of a cap hit. I mean, you, you can trade him. You you could trade him if if you yeah. if you need to do that. So I I just think a buyout would be would be bad asset management, and I think the Flyers ultimately would set themselves up would be one of those situations where a year from a year from now, because I think he's going to be have a much better season next year, whether it's Philadelphia or someplace else. He's gonna be one of those guys with the same people who said buy him out would say, well, why you know why'd you get rid of him? He's, he, he just needed time. I mean, he's going to be I, in the playoffs and we're going to be hearing about like Ryan Hartman yeah. or something. Yeah. And anyway, and every time he scores, somebody's going to be tweeting about it or, or whatever yeah. the, whatever the case might be. I, I think that, um, you know, if you move him in the off season, yeah, you, you work out the numbers and that, you know, that's what makes sense to do. Then you do it. But it, to me, a buyout should be the last option. Yeah. And what he, he hasn't does that an element that's not sexy and that's penalty killing. And he is a good penalty killer. And maybe the, the Joel Farabee injury is now a deciding factor for them or swings it in, in that favor to retain him and not make him a part of a deal or however they, they move forward. Um, but we'll see how that, that plays out. Let's talk about JVR. What's the trade market like for JVR? Is there a trade market for JVR? I think there's a better trade deadline market for JVR. Um, so do you think he opens up the season on this roster, Bill? Mm, I see. I don't know. I don't, I don't and, go that far. And the and the the cap implications of buying him out are terrible too. And some you know, horrible. Just, they make no really, sense. Yeah, you're not really saving. You're not saving much. Now you'd be better you, trading him and retaining than you were yeah. buying out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now if the Flyers could retain, the if the Flyers would retain three and a half million, which would still be better, you know, better long term implications than a buyout. Yep. You were saying three and a half million. Coming off of us, you know, another twenty what twenty four goals this season, I think. Yep. And I mean, that was after a very, very, very slow start. Um, you know, he goes he goes somewhere as a supporting piece. If you eat if you eat the full three and a half million, then I think you could trade him. You're just not going to get anything in return. 
You're just no. it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a hockey trade. You know, so you're 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 either gonna eat or you're gonna be paying assets. And I'd honestly rather see the Flyers eat money than than pay out any more assets to to get another team to take your salary cap. And, then, and, and I don't want to push any more pain going forward either. I don't no, want to buy out with him. I don't want to push pain into years beyond this one. Um, which is another reason why I'm not for a buyout with Wimblom because I don't want to, even if it's just because it's 666,000 beyond this year in a buyout for Wimblom. I don't even want to push that. Yeah. It, it's not much, but it's something. And I don't want to push any pain um, going forward. By the way, happy birthday to John Tortorella. Turned 64 years of age last week, Bill. And he becomes the, the oldest coach, head coach the Flyers have ever hired at 64 years of age. We talked about Andrew Brunette as a possibility as an assistant coach on this staff. I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. You and I talked about it via text. Um, but he was up for the job in Chicago, former Flyer defenseman, assistant coach in Montreal. Luke Richardson gets the job. Not really many seats left for, for a guy like Andrew Brunette. Looks like Barry Trotz is going to sit out unless he wants to go maybe to Winnipeg, but I don't know if that's even in the cards. So Andrew Brunette. I'm sure the Flyers have reached out at this point, I would think. I, I, I would think, yeah. Um, you know, and, and he knows Chuck Fletcher. Chuck hired him in Minnesota on his, on his first assistant job. I mean, oddly enough, if you look at that Minnesota staff when Chuck hired him, um, you know, Mike Yo, John, John Torchetti, uh, Rick Wilson was, was really the coaching staff. It's, it's kind of, you it's know. Flyers but, alumni um, golf tournament of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> for real, for real. So, uh, you know, so that, uh, I mean, I, I, it would just make a lot of sense. And he, he, you know, he coached the power play under, you know, under Joel Quenville. Um, successfully. Successfully till, till the playoffs, but that's a very small sample size, you know, it, it's, um, and the other thing too, I mean, you, you mentioned John Terrell being 64 and a, a very young 64. You, you would never, you never think he's 64. You, you think he, you know, you think he's a good ten years younger than he really is, but he's not going to coach forever. That's that's the point. And he said, and he did say last week on Tuesday that this is going to probably be his last head coaching, you know, tenure. Yeah, sure, and you know, and it makes sense. So, but you know, but uh, Brunette is still in his forties. Yep, forty does does yeah, forty eight, and he you know, so he's had a little bit of NHL head coaching experience. Went well in the regular season, obviously. Um, Adams finalist, all all that stuff, but you know it would be a good situation for him. You come here, you're an assistant under Tortorella. You learn uh, a lot of structure and practice planning and those elements with Tortorella, kind of like you know Sullivan did. Exactly, and Sullivan already had a head coaching gig. Yeah, and then that he kind of you know trained at, 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 at Tortorella's side for a few years. And he was a much better coach the second time. And mind you, you know, listen, helps have Sidney Crosby and Malkin and whatever, but he's a he's a dad. That presents a, a lot of complication too. I think there's a lot of managing that goes on when you have those kind yeah, of players as well. For sure. Yeah, it's it's not as easy to manage superstar town, you know, it's, yeah. it's just roll them out there. But it you know, but I, I think it's a good opportunity where, you know, I either either he can springboard into being a head coach somewhere else. Or maybe you know maybe he's groomed to succeed Tortorella at some point yeah. internally, and uh, so those relationships are already are already there. Um, he specializes in there. an area the Flyers need, and it just it just the pieces just seem to fit. 
Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'd love to see it. I really would. Because the one thing when you look back through John Tortorella's tenure, as a guy who's beaten the Tortorella drum for many a year, especially this year, obviously, and myself, the one year that he's the one thing that he's kind of always lacked is power play performance. And we saw this past year scoring up in the NHL. Why was it up? Power plays were up. And you, you, they got to get that straightened out. And, uh, you know, it falls on a head coach, but it's in basically in who he hires. But you have depth to of the talent as well. Um, last thing, Bill, um, a friend of the podcast has appeared on this very podcast many times. And I texted with him yesterday uh, quite a bit is Alex Lyon. The Chicago Wolves won the AHL Calder Cup. Alex Lyon, a 28-save goose egg in the clincher. He's a free agent. Is there a path for Alex Lyon to come back to Philadelphia in the goalie room going forward? Well, He's such a good guy. Congrats well, to him. From, from, a, from a sentimental standpoint, I mean, I, I, you know, you, you can't not like Alex Lyon. I mean, Alex Lyon is one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet as a media person. Just, just park yourself by him and interview him because he's so cerebral. Yeah. He, you know, whether he, whether he, I mean, he had he has such an analytical mind for the position for the game as a whole. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, I mean, for for him, you know, for him to backstop Chicago to the championship, I'm I'm so happy for him. So happy for Alex. Um. I, I would have, you know, uh, about a week ago, I would have said, you know what, I, I could see an avenue. But that might be possible, but they they just re-signed Felix Sandstrom. Yeah, um, they want to get Samuel Urson playing time with the Phantoms. They're they're long term. They're very high on Urson. Um, so you know, Cole I mean, unless, off's in the system as well. Yeah, a few years away from coming over, but still. So I mean, I I think for I think for Alex, the better fit might be going someplace else. Um, but I mean, I, I I would be thrilled if he was the to come back and be part of the organization again. I just, uh, I just don't think the, you know, the likelihood is there right now. Yeah. I don't see the path either. Um, but you will, I mean, some of the conversations that we had during the pandemic, when he would come on, it was, Hey, can I get, can I get you to come on for 10 or 15 minutes? And we'd be talking for an hour about all kinds of, you know, we got to branch out a little bit during the pandemic because we weren't, weren't playing hockey. We weren't sure when hockey was coming back, but his views on life and just, he's just so intellectually smart, but has a, a rare ability of being incredibly intelligent, but able to articulate things to make, to sound layman, which I thought, which I think when he's done playing, and I've talked to him about this, you know, off the air, it would make him an incredible analyst at some point of this game. Plus he sees it through goalie eyes, which I always love. For sure. Right? And it also, he's very funny too. Yeah, Alex, Alex can really crack you up. So he's, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, all the above. So, you know, big congratulations to Alex and wherever the uh, future takes him. I know I speak for both of us. We'll both be rooting him on. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, a political science major from Yale oh. University, undrafted. And he just uh, keeps getting it done. Good for him. Congrats to Alex Lyon. Bill, thanks for doing this as always. This was fantastic as always. It was bold. And it set a high standard to go back to a few terms that we used. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Another week is underway. We're getting closer to the NHL draft, which will be right around the corner. I think the game now, we started uh, when we started taping, it was one nothing in, but now it's Colorado up two to nothing, or two to one rather. McKinnon and Lekkinen scored. So forget what we said earlier. Maybe Avalanche <laughs> lifted up tonight. Everybody, enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you on Wednesday's brand new episode of Flyers. Day.